Hey everyone, I've got some exciting news for you. My brand new book, E-Commerce Growth Strategy, a brand-driven approach to attract shoppers, build community and retain customers is out now. Want to catapult your brand from obscurity to unstoppable? This is the guide you've been waiting for. Drawing from years on hands-on experience and insights from this podcast from over 400 episodes we've recorded, have distilled everything into one essential playbook. Whether you're a founder, an e-commerce executive, or a C-suite bigwig, this book has got something for you. So head over to Amazon or any major book website and grab a copy. Let's turn those insights into bottom line growth. Your journey from zero to iconic starts here. Invest in UX in terms of storytelling. Um, I feel like still so many brands are missing the mark on just telling a really good story and guiding users to experiences that they really want to be guided to in terms of like from the ad all the way to the landing pages. So 2023 was really that year of like taking a pause, resetting, reestablishing where people wanted to be in their businesses. And we saw some businesses do pretty well coming out of that. And we saw some businesses really struggle with that approach. This isn't about the technology that powers it. It's about what you're willing to do to provide for your, your best customers. And so what are the experiences you're willing to give to them? What is the personal outreaches you're willing to do? What is that touch that you can give to them? So in today's episode, we take a reflective overview on what happened in 2023, and then we project forward into 2024 to see what actions you need to be taking right away to make 2024 a really, really big one. It's a great episode. You don't know what the Mesa do. Stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast hosted by Kunle Campbell. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. I I come here, I try and come here every week. And we we're here to to help you grow your stores faster, help you grow your brand, you know, uh, more sustainably um and and profitably. You know, that that's the most important thing. And you know, on today's episode, the 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 interview you're about to listen to is more predictions interview with Nirav Sheth. Now, Nirav Sheth came on this podcast um, a while ago. It was episode 396, if I'm not mistaken, or um, season eight, episode 13. And we discussed a lot. Why I wanted to bring Nirav here particularly was just the exposure and plethora of, of brands his agency actually works with. So his agency works with brands such as Rothy's, Dollar Shave Club, Athletic Greens, Four Sigmatic, Mark Weldon, um, Brunt, True Botanics, and very recently, Bye Bye Baby. They, they moved them to Shopify Plus. So it's very privy to a lot of data from uh, unicorn D2C businesses, from enterprise D2C businesses, and fast growth D2C businesses. And, and I was like, okay, what? did you see in 2023? What, what insights did you get in 2023? He shared that. 
And then I was like, what are your projections? What's your advice for, for, for 2024? And he, he shared those projections and, and gave like three key actions you should be taking in, or you should, you should consider taking if you haven't already in, in quarter one of 2024. Um, so it's, I, I want to kick off the, the year with, um, with, with, with serious mind, with like, you know, really clever people. So throughout this January, you're going to be hearing from, from the best of the best. And, um, yes, I'm, I'm super excited for this one. I'm sure you will be super excited for this one. And I would love for you to enjoy the show. You might hear from our sponsors before, you, you it kicks off before the interview kicks off but you know do have a good one enjoy the conversation and i shall catch you on the other side cheers hey commerce trailblazers ready for a game changer in your podcast lineup i've got just the thing tread secrets a new podcast that's all about giving you the operational edge in e-commerce let's got straight to the chase unlike most e-commerce podcasts that dwell on marketing and growth stories Tread Secrets dives deep into the operational heart of e-commerce. This is where the real magic happens. Why tune in? Because Tread Secrets brings you the nuts and bolts of e-commerce success. We're talking the nitty-gritty of inventory hacks, cash flow management, sales strategies, supply chain intricacies, product sourcing secrets, and the ins and outs of financing. It's the operational wisdom you need to keep your business not just running, but thriving. Hosted by Peter Beckman, CEO of Tread, the, this podcast is a treasure trove of insights from industry experts and successful e-commerce practitioners. It's like having a roundtable of mentors, each sharing their best kept operational secrets. Don't let this opportunity slip through your fingers. Search for Tread Secrets on your favorite podcast app or visit tread.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-Y-D slash podcast. Hit the subscribe button and stay ahead of the dynamic world of e-commerce. Remember, it's T-R-E-Y-D, Secrets, the podcast where e-commerce operations meet success. Tune in now and transform the way you do business. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. The second time I am super excited to have you. For those who don't know much about you, I'll read your bio and then I'd ask you to sort of chip in. You're the CEO and founder of Anata, the premier e-commerce partner for fast-growing direct-to-consumer brands or D2C brands like Rothy's, Dollar Shave Club, Athletic, Greens, Four Sigmatic, um, very recently, Bye Bye Baby. We discuss, we'll discuss about that, True Botanicals, and um, I believe Bront, which is like a workwear brand. So you guys are dip into the... Um, into the DTC space, into commerce. Um, and we just love to, to, to speak commerce. And, and the reason you were here is it's 2024 and I would just love to pick your brains on on the outlook for 2024. So so very, very warm welcome to, to you, my friend. Nerev, welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. It's such a pleasure. And I loved our conversation last time. So I'm, I'm really honored that you, you invited me back here. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Okay, um, did I cover all bases with with Anata, or do you want to to sort of speak to 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 what you guys do, um, particularly anything that's changed from our last from a previous conversation, which I believe was in season eight, episode twelve. I will link to it in the show notes, um, you know, audience. So 
Don't worry about that. You should definitely check out that episode with, 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 with Nerve. We spoke a lot about what they were doing with Athletic Greens and the impact of landing pages. That really inspired me to, to really take a look at landing pages. So definitely listen to that. But, but what has changed, Anata? And um, please give us your elevator pitch, Anata. Yeah, thank you so much for, for allowing me to do that. And, you know, nothing has that drastically changed. We're, we're agency now at 15 years in the space. And I think that what's really changed in the last year is that our brain trust has just gotten better and better within the organization. Uh, we've been around, having been around for this period of time, but worked with so many of really amazing brands like the ones you mentioned and so many other both pure play D2C, but also enterprise D2C, play, uh, enterprise uh, e-commerce players like the Bye Bye Babies of the world. We also signed and worked with Bury now. So like, it's just really amazing talent and really amazing companies that we get to share uh, our information with, that we get to get information back from them in terms of data, analytics, user experience. And we're just learning so much more every year and what's working and what's not working. And that's really what's kind of like every commerce is so changing, uh, especially what works and what doesn't work and what kind of got you to where you are to what kind of moves you forward is constantly changing. And that's kind of what we're always feeling like we're deep within. And we have a pretty clear understanding of kind of where things are headed in the next couple of years that will allow the, the roster of clients that we, we work with, but also any future clients to really be able to stay ahead and, and get ahead of the curve. Congratulations on the new account. And I, I'm really excited for you guys. Let's step back a little bit. Um, let's look at 2023. The reason I like speaking with um, like SaaS companies and agencies such as yours is you're privy to a lot of data um, and you're able to, to see macro trends. You know, once you, you're able to sort of join all the dots with, 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 with the accounts that you have access to. So re- reflecting on, on, on 2023, 23. Do you want to give a, a brief summary of, of how you think things panned out in, in 2023? Yeah. You know, in 2023, we saw everybody, for the most part, pull back on their investment, specifically in the, in the D2C channel. Um, they pulled back on technology spend. They pulled back on media and ad spend. They pulled back in any place that they can to start making, pushing pulling out of growth and pushing towards profitability. And we had projected that time towards the end of 2022 that everybody was starting to make moves towards this, but we really saw it come into fruition. I'm talking about major tech stack changes to reduce uh, overall total cost of ownership, uh, being able to right-size their team so that they had you know less people or they started hiring more in-house because they felt like the cost that they were incurring, whether with agencies or freelancers or outside, uh, wasn't sustainable and that they needed to bring some things back in-house. Um, or just the idea of making changes in how they went about acquiring customers and what other channels that you could be looking at. So 2023 was really that year of like taking a pause, resetting, reestablishing where people wanted to be in their businesses. And we saw some businesses do look like pretty well coming out of that. And we saw some businesses really struggle with that approach because they've been so focused on growth for so long. Mm-hmm. And that when those specific marketing channels or those specific tactics weren't working, they got really stuck and they were burning too much cash. So they just didn't have any other cash to kind of like uh, replace it. And so 2023, I think overall was it was a pretty challenging year. I wouldn't say that it was... I would, I would put it at the 80-20 side of things. Like 80% of companies saw a pretty pretty big challenge to go through and 20% maybe saw some some good success out of it. 
Um, but mo- for the majority of side, it was a pretty challenging year, not only just on the agency and, and the, the partners and the SaaS company size. I think SaaS did really well last year. Agencies had a, had a pretty tough year. And I think e-com brands as a whole had a pretty tough year. But the ones that focused on profitability, at least kind of right size where they needed to go towards, mm-hmm. we're seeing this kind of different trend going into 2024. We're seeing some optimism, which I haven't seen in close to a year. I've seen <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of sad faces on calls. Uh, but now I'm starting to see some optimism of where the brands could be headed and budgets are opening up a little bit that we're like, oh, wow, 2024 could be a different year. Yeah, there's so many moving parts with what you just said. Um, one is seller; it was just discretionary income, you know, from 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 customers essentially, uh, because they faced inflation in so many ways, from from rent or mortgage to 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 to, to food to, to to many other things. So they had little to spend, you know, online, and you know, debt is is, is rising. That that's one hand, and then the other hand, you have the 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 after effects of that happening on e-commerce businesses, and then agencies bear the grant. And then you have the fact that, you know, um, you know, e-commerce businesses or brands, you know, want to cut cost and they, um, they, they're looking to automate a few things and SaaS solutions tend to solve it. So it was a good year for SaaS. So yeah, so, so many interesting things. So I want to focus on that 20%, you know, um, there's the 20% of brands that, that, that did really well. What do you think was your formula for success? Well, why, why the success? opportunity lock is opportunity, you know, meeting, you know, timing and, you know, preparation, you know, meeting, you know, um, you know, opportunity. What do they do differently to, to the 80, 80%? I think that those brands, so the ones that I can kind of think about in my mind, one of the brands, and I'm happy to talk about them because they were talked about by Harley from Shopify um, on their Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales was, was Brunt Workwear. And I love the brand. They're not only part of our roster of really amazing clients that we get a mm-hmm. chance to work with, but they've been staying. They've been pure play D two C for for a pretty long time. But their marketing and the way that they really attach themselves to building a community of customers is solid. And I just haven't seen so many brands have such an amazing channel when it comes to their marketing of having built both brand and growth. They mm-hmm. do such a great job on the brand side as well as on the growth side. And when brands can kind of do that really well, they can kind of weather these storms. A lot of brands that in the in the 80% side, much more were focused on like they were very, very good at either brand or very good at growth, but they weren't necessarily good at both. And so when these kind of tailwinds come, and especially on the macroeconomic side of things, it's hard to kind of keep your sailboat aligned. Mm. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to be able to move through that. Uh, but the brands that were able to stay in a station between, hey, we actually have really strong brand value and our community loves us. Hmm. But at the same time, we're willing to try out a couple other things on the growth side of things to kind of like iterate and innovate through these kind of tough time, tougher times. They're the ones who kind of really were able to steady the ship. And I'm not saying that they were flourishing or growing at this crazy rate. Uh, some were, but like very few on that path. But some were just able to do well through this scenario, which meant, you know, 10% growth, 15% growth, where previous times, you know, they were at 50% year over year growth. And like, mm-hmm. it's okay not to be at the 50% year over year growth m- marks, but it's also, you know, to know where expectations are and to be able to meet them by being able to have a really steady ship. And I think that that's really what differentiated the 20% overall. And, and how do they anchor their community around their brand? Yeah, a lot of it's just through like that direct outreach through the community. It's a uh, loyalty. 
So really developing really thoughtful loyalty programs and not just plugging in any SaaS solution. This isn't about the technology that powers it. It's about what you're willing to do to provide for your, your best customers. And so what are the experiences you're willing to give to them? What is the personal outreaches you're willing to do? What is that touch that you can give to them? So the one you really kind of get that Zappos style customer service back into play, that really level of like, hey, we love you as our customers. We're willing to do more for you. We're willing to offer free products or give you discounted components because in this period of time, discounts mattered actually. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, during this Black Friday, Cyber Monday, with our discretionary income being less than what it's ever previously been, we need those ability to have deeper discounts. And, uh, you know, I, uh, my wife and I, during Black Friday, uh, sorry, uh, we went to, to the stores and to the retail stores and the discounts weren't very good. Um, it was interesting to see, like, they were having, like, these sales of, like, hey, buy three and get 10% off. And it's like, buy three. <laughs> like, we, we didn't even buy one or two. Like, what do you mean buy three? And they had the, like, they, 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 they weren't able to. And I get, I understand where the businesses are, but at the same time for the consumer side, if they weren't really willing to understand where they're coming from and what type of discount they need at this period of time, not to say forever and not to say that every company needs to discount everything, but to really just be mindful of where we are in our current society and current economic side of things to really see and meet the customer where they're at. I -hmm. think that's the leveling that's needed and, and that's kind of where, how they built really strong communities, but also be able to really connect with the individual consumer. Yeah, super, super interesting points there. That sensitivity of of the macro um, is is should be translated. It's it's also kind of like customer empathy to to understand what your customers are going through economically and and just trying to adjust so you weather the storm with them. You know, not just push them yeah. to the side with buy three. You know, for for ten ten percent off. You know, those those sort of discounts, which is which is which is interesting in of itself. Okay, so. Quarter one, quarter two, quarter three were were really tough, and um, from from my understanding, um, many retailers were were essentially able to get out of the red in in Q four. Is 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 that the, a fair assessment of of of, of two thousand and twenty three? Yes, I, I think so. this is a very fair ass, uh, assessment. Like those first three quarters were were incredibly tough incredibly hard to to weather overall and then the fourth quarter was like that time where brands and companies got to really see the 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 revenue come in and to be able to make up for what those past quarters uh, were were lacking so i think q4 was was a strong quarter overall and i'm hoping to see that trend going forward into q1 and q2 mm-hmm. of 2024 mm-hmm. um, because this con- overall cons- consumer sentiment seems that they're willing to spend and that you know overall discretionary income is coming back to a, a good level and just you know alone in in the US like we're seeing jobs overall being at a, at a good place so um, hoping to to see the trend continue and hoping that you know we we the overall e-commerce world gets to to get a sigh of relief uh, compared to the, the year before let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back So if you have been following my journey here on this podcast, you'll know that I'm a co-founder at Octelian, a consolidator of digital first good for you CPG brands. We acquire CPG brands with the view of scaling them up. We currently have a portfolio of three brands, all powered by commerce platform Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. 
Whether you're a garage startup entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control in every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. I remember the first brand we acquired was running on another platform with quite poor conversions. We made it a point of duty to get it migrated over to Shopify and our checkout conversions literally doubled. What I love about Shopify is its ease of use. I don't think there's any other e-commerce platform that beats its usability. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify's truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brook Linen, millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24 help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash e-commerce x2, all lowercase. That is go to shopify.com slash e-commerce x2 to take your business to the next level today. That is shopify.com slash e-commerce x2. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes 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 a makes a ton of sense. And from a twenty twenty three, um, you know, perspective. You know, from a twenty twenty four perspective, now, um, at least in, in in the states, inflation seems to to be to be coming down, and that's reflecting on on interest rates. Um, in the UK, not so you know, yet. Um, inflation is coming down, but, you know, buyer sentiments are still um, a bit down um, in, in the UK. In the EU, it, it's, it just depends on, on the markets. I think that the German market is a bit resilient. Um, yeah. So from a, you, you know, so would you say, so going back again to that 20% and even some of the 80% that, that, that really, you know, managed to, 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 to break through in, in Q4, would you say like 2023 was was a year of just maximizing lifetime value just due to the fact that most most brands were focused on profit rather than growth? So with growth, there's always acquisition, right? Trying to acquire, it's about cac, 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 right? Um, is, is that why some really did well, you know, especially going down your your community point, your point on, on you know, on, on, on anchoring that community around their brand? Yeah, you know, you, you said something that like uh, brought brought something to, to to my mind, which is just that the brands who have always been focused on acquisition purely had a really really tough time uh, when they had to focus on retention. But the brands that also were always focused on retention and 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 had acquisition dually kind of being side by side with it did really well in twenty twenty three because right. they're like, oh, this is not a new playbook that we have to write. This is a this is something that we've already written that we just need to accelerate on. Mm -hmm. And so the ones that had subscription programs, the ones that kind of be like the, the athletic greens of this world, 
did phenomenal last year, you know, based on everything I'm seeing and everything that I'm reading out, out there had a really great year. And there's a lot of brands like that who had really stellar subscription programs that were able to accelerate that, their growth and, or maybe not see it go accelerate too, too hard, but at least that was able to build the base income that they previously didn't have prior mm. to that. Mm. And so uh, the ones that are really have a strong retention program overall and think that way makes a big difference in towards how they were able to continue focusing on customer lifetime value mm-hmm. versus the acquisition players who were never never played the LTV game, never mm-hmm. really kind of looked at set second, third repeat purchase rates. And then we're stuck when they came to a market like this where, okay, acquisitions are down. How do we make money from returning customers? Well, we don't really know how because we haven't played that game yet. We haven't done the work or the strategy or kind of that. And so, but I think like they caught up. Uh, the, the good news is I think those brands did catch up in 2023 and they do have, whether it's subscription programs, loyalty programs, uh, community build, uh, kind of you know, overall organizations, those are the ones that are definitely uh, are, are in the tier of like in a much healthier start to 2024. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good points. I remember an interview I I, I was listening to with Chris um, Ashenden, who's the founder and CEO of Athletic Greens. And he was like, he, he just emphasized, kept on emphasizing, we're a retention business, we're a retention business. And this interview is like five, six years ago, where we yeah. are in the retention business. That that was it. And um, that was his like key tip, being the retention business, because it, it's resilient, you know, it's resilient, it's like SaaS. Yes. Okay, so we've, we've got a fair assessment of 2023. Um, what should e-commerce brands listening to this podcast be doing this quarter in, in Q, Q1? And then we'll talk about the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, I, I would be in 2024 Q1, there's a few things I'll be looking at. One, 2023 taught us that a single channel approach isn't going to be the only approach that can be taken, that there has to be a more of an omni-channel, multi-channel approach uh, overall. And one channel that's been really opened up last year, which isn't a new channel, it's actually one of the oldest channels, is, is B2B and wholesale and kind of retail plays that, that you can make. Um, retail being, you know, whether you want to set up your own brick and mortar is one thing. And I highly advise against setting up your own brick and mortar unless you need to create a very specific user experience that cannot be done in, a, in another setting. But I, I read a, a post on Modern Retail recently about talking about how Nike which is a big, they made a significant kind of increase in their D2C side of things, has pulled back out of D2C and said, hey, we're going to reestablish our relationships with Foot Locker and, and other kind of uh, shoe stores. And it's the reality is that when you are in these kind of markets where consumers like to buy in diverse environments, they don't want to just be in a single branded, single experience store only, mm-hmm. but they actually want to look at, they, they said in that Nike article, People bought more Nike shoes when they got to be next to Adidas and Reebok and other mm-hmm. brands. And like they could kind of take, mix and match what they would like to get. Mm-hmm. There was more purchasing in that experience. That's very similar for clothing and apparel, for wellness, for so many other places. So I think that you one be looking at where the, the B2B opportunities lie because the B2B overall, which I, I didn't know about this recently until I kind of looked at the stat, but B2B, the total sales is double the market of D2, D2C mm. uh, or, or even significantly larger than, than 2X. And so there's a lot of opportunities in that space uh, as long as you can make the margins work. I'm not trying to be a proponent to say everybody should go to B2B, mm-hmm. but there is, and when you see Nike making that shift back towards out of, out of D2C, seeing that like, hey, 
maybe we should have over-indexed on D2C. There is a B2B component to, to the world. I think brands should be looking at where the B2B opportunities exist as well as what are the tech stacks around that um, because Shopify has launched a really cool B2B platform yeah. recently. So I never promoted or thought about that, but it's just been phenomenal what we're seeing in, in the overall yeah. space. So I'll, I'll be looking at that in 2024, like first quarter of 2024. I would also be looking at ways that you can be able to optimize the, the overall user experience through some kind of recent AI uh, upgrades. Let's oh, speak to, to, to the wholesale, please. Sorry, sorry, Nerev. Um, so exploring that space. And by the way, I, I was act, actually read and um, I've summarized the the article. I'll link to, to the article you're mentioning. Um, you know, it, was, it was a very, very interesting article. I'll link to it, the, the Nike one, um, where they're cutting down on their D2C. But with, with fair with, with 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 wholesale, would you say launching on marketplaces such as fair would be would be would be a good enough first step for um, for, for D2C brands or um, should they put a people infrastructure in place and a systems infrastructure in place to be to, to really own that wholesale, um, you know, opportunity or, or the, the wholesale channel? Yeah, I think it, it's like any other aspect of your business, which is first start with strategy before you go directly into implementation. And so I would strategize what the, B2, the overall wholesale and B2B approach is going to be and how you're going to scale that and as well as like, how are you going to approach it? Of course, you can always activate a channel and say, hey, now you're selling on this new marketplace. But is that really all you want to do? Or do you want to strategize and say, for this market or for this channel that we're going to open up or this area, we're going to market ourselves this way. But for this other side, we're going to market ourselves this other way. I would much more take a, a strategic approach about how you want to set up that business and what, what it means, and then set up the technical infrastructure to kind of oversee that and then go launch it. Um, it doesn't require a lot. A lot of the technologies out there doesn't require you to kind of like take, this is going to be a six month process. No, this could be a 30 to 60 day mm. process. But I would encourage businesses to think about it versus in Shopify, everything is so easy or in these systems, so easy, just click a button and you're like, hey, you're live on this marketplace. And that's great. But at the same time, are you going to get the most benefit from doing that? No, you're going to get the most benefit when you strategize, you construct a team that's good with that, and you actually approach everything and then go execute. Execute as hard as you can, but just start with some strategy. Get the people first. That's what I picked up from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, smart people at that. Okay. Okay. So second point, yes. <laughs> you were talking about UX, investing in UX before I caught you short. Yeah. In, invest in UX in terms of storytelling. Um, I feel like still so many brands are missing the mark on just telling a really good story and guiding users to experiences that they really want to be guided to in terms of like from the ad all the way to the landing pages. Uh, we're seeing a lot of technology coming out now that can let you segment your audiences so that they're coming from a specific ad set or specific area. Give them the content that they win at. Like if you look at brands like Athletic Greens, which we both mentioned earlier on this call, they actually have versions of their landing pages. And this isn't because I have insider knowledge. You just go through their website, you can see it, that they actually have three to four of their pages that are segmented. If you're in the wellness category, you get certain content versus if you're in the athlete community, you get certain content because it's like slightly differentiation on, on what you are and, and who you represent. And so making sure that you do the work to segment your audiences because you're doing all that work to segment it during your ad sets why not do that same work on the website experience and the content you're sharing and the mm -hmm. content that comes afterwards so that people can feel like they're 
being more personalized towards. And I'm not talking about full end mm. personalization. Just mm-hmm. take a step back and just go to segmentation. Can you do that yeah. as a brand to really be able to isolate to make the consumer feel a little bit more with you? And that like you're you're talking to them versus talking to the the large like the broadcasting style of, of, of conversation. So I think okay. user experience from that really makes a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the segmentation approach really works, and and I like the fact that you have distinguished between personalization, which is going for all in, versus segmentation. So, from a more technical standpoint, do you, would they need to have a, a decoupled sort of architecture where you know they have like a, a headless, you know, content for CMS on the front end um, that dynamically sort of you know um, serves you know, um, content based on, on, on the data you feed it or based on segments, essentially? Yeah, you, you can, but it's not needed. Uh, okay. Now in today's world, there's a lot of like both, whether you're living in the Shopify ecosystem, whether you're living in another ecosystem, they have tools and apps that kind of work directly with that, that having to be like headless or completely compartmentalized. You can also keep it really simple, like build a few more landing pages, like take, <laughs> take your landing page builder, create a few more constructs. Yes, it takes a little bit more manual help, um, manual work. Sometimes you got to do it. Like, mm-hmm. Recently, as CEO, uh, yesterday, I, I was sending messages on LinkedIn to to a few people, and and I could automate it. But there was fifty messages I had to send, and I just typed them. Like, I, I, sometimes you got to do the work just to create those landing pages. As much as automation you want, just do the work. Put the landing pages out there, and then once they're there, you just segment it out to which landing page you want people to go through, and it's that easy. Sometimes we all have to get back into our startup mentality and be like, this isn't that hard. <laughs> Some things are easy. We just don't want to always want to do it. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so we have wholesale, personal uh, wholesale, and then we, we have segmentation, a segmentation strategy. Um, yeah. And any other Q1 tips for, 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 for listeners? I would say in the, the, the other tip I would have in Q1 is just to kind of pay attention a little bit more in this market to see what else is trending. So I would actually, my, my tip here is just to be listening and seeing what else is kind of popping up in the community. I wouldn't take any other action just yet because the, as we kind of come out of Q4, we're just seeing some trends. We're sit, starting to watch the economy and where it's going. And one of the things that we're reading about on the macroeconomic level is how much supply chain is kind of affected through a lot of the things and the wars that are happening uh, in the Middle East and, and in that and er- between Russia and Ukraine, through all of the kind of areas that there's just a lot of warfare and, and a lot of kind of changes to supply chain overall and how that could affect overall costs. So I will just be watching some of these macroeconomic conditions to see how that might affect the other aspects of the business and how that would fall into your world of what you might need to do to make, maybe make some modifications. Um, right now is a good time. I know this is not specifically any for a web optimization or kind of guide, guidelines, but overall commerce play is to kind of look at the supply chain side of things and see where you might need to potentially reposition your, your components of your supply chain or move things. Because if you don't and you wait too, too late, by Q3, Q4 of this year, if you're not well prepared for it, you might not be set up for success for this year. And just because the market conditions are changing so often, uh, if you don't have the preparations done, you might not be able to succeed as well uh, kind of coming forward in 2024. It's good points. Good points around you know observation and 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 the supply chain and just the, just world wide the geopolitical you know um, status of things and 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 adjusting as necessary and planning ahead. 
Yeah. Okay, so what what is your outlook for for twenty twenty four? I know you don't necessarily have a crystal ball, but you know you have you have you have data, you have hindsight. So um, go for it, yeah. please. I, I see. I, I, I'm right now. I'm actually optimistic. I'm very optimistic about where twenty twenty four is headed. I'm seeing like now that twenty twenty three is out, and a lot of brands who couldn't make it had, had to kind of reposition themselves or leave the gate the space. The markets, the brands that have done well have kind of rise to the surface. I think 2024 is going to be a really good year overall for commerce now that there's just been this reset had in 2023. And I think that, you know, everyone's kind of assessed where growth needs to be, where profitability needs to be. And I think that overall, we're going to see a, a really good year in 2024 based on where, where interest rates are hopefully dropping or, or staying pretty flat and consumer confidence still being there that we're going to see a, a pretty good year for commerce overall. Uh, I think same things as before, be willing to pivot, maybe willing to make changes where needed. But I think overall this year is going to be see some some upward trends and, and hoping some good growth trends uh, in 2024. Nerva, I'm super excited for 2024. And, you know, thank you for sharing wholesale tips, UX tips, and supply chain, you know, tips. That, 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 those are really the core pillars of, of, of an e-commerce, you know, um, business or running an e-commerce business. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's about wraps today's episode. Do you have any parting piece of, of advice to, to the audience before I let you go? I think parting pieces of advice. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, it's, it's been a mantra for me kind of going into the end of last year and, and this year, which is just like slow things down a little bit. Like, 2023 taught us a lot of things and just slowly make some decisions this, this year round. Don't make fast decisions. Think through them, strategize, mm. and then make your decision. But don't bake anything on haste because we've, we've gotten out of the hasty kind of in and out work. Let's actually take the time to strategize and think through things. So uh, my, my guidance here is just slow down. Uh, I think it's a good life component, but it's also good for our businesses is to just slow down a little bit. Slow down your thinking. Slow down your thinking, and yeah, I, I think even the, the 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 Christmas holidays, the holidays in December actually helped us slow down a little bit. So so yes, um, I'll I'll take that on bad on board. Okay, so for people who want to find out more about Anata, it's Anata.io. It's A N A T T A.io. I will link to it in the show notes. You you essentially your model is you 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 outsource. Um, you know, dedicated teams, essentially, not, not just Rambos. You, you dedicate UX designers, researchers, UI developers, backend developers, project managers to oversee, um, you know, the deployment of, of projects in, in, for, for e-commerce, you know, in the e-commerce environment. Is, is that it? Or um, do, do you do more than what I just said? Yeah. It's that, and we, we do it on both large-scale re-platforms, re-architectures, migrations from big platforms into the Shopify ecosystem. We do the full gamut of it. So whether it's providing a digital product team or uh, a team to kind of do a large migration like we did with Bye Bye Baby recently last year mm -hmm. in 90 days, those are the types of kind of engagements we love doing and we would love to partner with. Fantastic, fantastic. And I love the focus on D2C. So if you guys have you know any projects you're looking to to deploy in 2024 check these guys out anato.io i'll link to it to show notes nerve is one of the guys i trust you know in in this space from a ux standpoint um second time he's been on the show just want to thank you again for for coming in to, to sharing your your insights nerve a pleasure cheers appreciate it.
Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Bye.